Okay, great. Um, here we are. This week we're interviewing brother Alan Malin. Thank you so much for joining this week. So nice to be with you. Yeah, this is great. So, brother um, Malin, I got to tell you, it's still hard for me to call you Alan, um, yeah. just because white hair. Well, it's not that. It's it's because <laughs> I've seen brother Malin so many times and out of respect of was I've always like just internalized it as brother Malin yeah, versus yeah. Alan. So I'll work on that tonight. Well, I was called brother Malin for many, many, many years by many, many, many different tongues. Different tongues, you said? Different people. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, I know on your, your ward calling, it says that you do the China program in the Kennedy Center. No, we've been released from that. Okay. We taught in China for one year at Nanjing University, which was a top 10 university. It was a wonderful experience. Wow. And I got to teach American history and American government. And then they surprised me once I got in China. And they also uh, asked me to teach the faculty of this top 10 university. <laughs> Wow. And I was nervous. I only have a master's degree. And I said, gee, I, I don't think I can do that because I only have a master's degree. Yeah. And um, our dear friend, her name is Sophie at that university. She said, I'll tell you what, we will pay you as if you have a doctoral degree, if you'll do it. So for a year, they paid me for a doctoral degree that I have not accomplished uh, that is amazing. Wow. So yeah, I wow. loved it. It gave us more money to travel and have fun while we were in China. Yeah. And that was our first year teaching. And then BYU asked us to direct the program. And we did that for five years. And we were, it's an appointment through the university that also includes a full-time mission call, mm -hmm. you know, from the church. So we have a regular call come just like every missionary. And we did it for five years though. Wow. That's super cool. So how long did you teach in China? Just for one year or? Yeah. Okay. Taught for one year. And then when we supervised, we would help um, find and integrate people into the program. And each year we would send from 75 to 80 teachers to 18 Chinese universities, seven of which are in the top 10. The Harvard of China has been one of our universities. Wow. Wow. So I had no idea. So, so BYU has relationships where they're sending people to. Well, we have been, but COVID and the tariffs pretty much squelched things for a while. So we got out at a good time, to tell you the truth. Uh, um, it was supposed to be a maximum of two to five years, though. So we, we're, we were done anyway. Okay. Uh, so our replacements, though, we feel really bad for them because they've only been able to get one person in and we did most of the work with him, uh, yeah. you know, but we got him into a university, one of those top 10 universities, has a PhD, worked for, for DuPont Chemical for his whole life and is married to a Chinese woman in Beijing or in Xi'an. Wow. So do you speak um, Cantonese and Mandarin or? Oh, about one word of Cantonese, maybe four words of Mandarin. So, okay. 
But my grandkids who take immersion Chinese, anytime my wife and I say anything, they correct us and say, that's not right. That's, <laughs> you should say it this way. Because, wow. you know, kids are quick learners of language. People over 60 are, you know, it's a big, big uphill battle. I decided yeah. to get other things than mm-hmm. language. And I wouldn't have accomplished it anyway. I'll tell you an anecdotal story on that. The other couple with us, we always cluster our couples. And the other couple at our university, she was a federal judge. Wow. Now, you know, a federal judge is appointed by the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so she was a sharp cookie. And she yeah. got there and she was an honored, you know, legal representative teaching at the law school. And so they gave her one class. And she says, no, I want I want multiple classes like the other teachers. And they've argued back and forth about it. And they yeah. finally said, well, we'll give you two. And that's the best she could get. And so she decided she's a smart girl. And so she said, I'm going to learn Chinese. I'm going to use my time that, you know, my valuable time well, and I'm going to learn Chinese. And so she got a tutor and took a class and wrote Chinese words all over her apartment. And... Um, by the end of the, the year that we were over there with them, we could speak as much Chinese as she could. No one could understand her because once your hearing is gone, yeah, you know, if your hearing is diminished in any way, you can't pick up the tones. Yeah. And it's pretty much a lost cause. Yeah, and, and their and their vowels are um particularly tricky for English speakers, native English speakers. So, so I just tried to pick up as much history as I could in China and I had a ball. That's awesome. And that I could do. So, so we've seen that we've seen a ton of China because as directors, we would go, our first trip was for two months each year to China. Mm-hmm. We would travel through the whole of China, contacting our 18 universities and working with them and wow. working with our teachers and thanking them. And then we would go home for Christmas and then we would go back to China for two weeks to Hong Kong. And we would have a thank you conference in Hong Kong and give our teachers a wonderful experience there and thank them. And it's a very successful program, but the politics right now between China and the United States, uh, you know, have deteriorated to the point where, you know, we don't, we'll have to see what the Lord does to pull the program off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's hard. I, I, that's amazing. I, I, that's so cool. Um, I didn't know that you had a background in, in academic, you know, teaching and everything. Can you tell me more about that? Uh, I taught for 33 years in church education. Okay. So I started as a seminary teacher and then taught an institute for a while. And then at, towards the end of my career, I covered a force or four state area in the east pennsylvania new jersey delaware and parts of maryland and it was wonderful because i'm a history guy and it was history disneyland and so i had fun and the teachers teach you know they treat the the coordinator like heaven and the the stakes do too so it's a wonderful assignment i did that for five years then came home for my final two years and they were good enough to try to help me get a little humility and they put me back in a ninth grade seminary nice (laughs) 
And I, awesome. I actually had a ball with him, but it's a 60 year old guy, 60 plus year old guy in a ninth grade seminary was interesting. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. And, and we went to China straight from that second year in seminary. Wow. That's and we awesome. were at the MTC then too. So we left the MTC and we left, um, you know, teaching in a regular way in a, here in church education to go to China and yeah. represent the university and the church by not proselyting, but by being great individuals that can build relationships of trust and understanding with that very, very, very important and wonderful nation. Yeah. That's super, super the people cool. are exquisite. Yeah. They're the best, best students I ever taught. I apologize <laughs> to my students who I've taught elsewhere, but uh, they were something special. Yeah. Can you tell me, tell me more about that experience with the students? Cause I, you know, there, there is a stereotype and I don't want to address the negatives and the stereotype, but I just, I, I, I do appreciate a good, strong student because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. So much harder for our students than for them because they live in a population of 1.4 billion people. Yeah. And so they know that they have to succeed, that there's nothing guaranteed them. Yeah. You know, they have to succeed for themselves and for their parents and grandparents occasionally. And um, so they work harder than anybody we've ever seen. You know, mm -hmm. every night here I, from our home, as I look across the street, there's the Arlington condominiums. We have some Chinese students that yeah. are there and we've had nice chats with them on occasion but every single night there's one room where one girl lives and that light is on every night way past when i go to sleep wow I, she just you just i can't even imagine someone that grew up in our culture being able to work that disciplined of a schedule mm -hmm. but they do it and they do it you know, it's just an accepted reality in China. Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't, sorry, keep going. What were you saying? They have a ton of universities. These big universities we taught at, a yeah. uh, number of them had five different huge campuses that are much bigger than BYU, <laughs> you know, because they got a lot of people and they're trying to educate them. Yeah. So they like them coming West. There was a debate at Harvard a few years ago. And the debate subject was, how many Chinese can we let into this university? Because credential-wise, they can get into Harvard. Totally. But how many Chinese can we admit to Harvard and still call it an American university? Yeah. And, you know, and, and they're, they're magnificent students. And mm. they treat teachers magnificently. I taught all those years, and I had some nice, appreciative students. But in China... They will literally, if you put a lot of energy into a lesson and, and you really try to give them something valuable for them, yeah. um, they stand up and applaud. The whole <laughs> class will all of a sudden stand up and applaud. First time it happens, you're dumbfounded. You, don't, <laughs> you just don't even have any idea. It's like, wow, really? And yeah. at the end of the semester, they'll line up and they'll come up and Chinese people usually are not very huggy and touchy but mm. i've had whole classes come up and each one give you a big hug and a wonderful sentiment and some gifts and some of them wow. even take you out to dinner and things 
Wow. <laughs> you didn't do that for your seminary teacher, did you? No, especially not as a ninth grader. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, the, the Chinese are magnificent. I've got, and I was writing a story today for my history and uh, I recalled one of the nice experiences I had a, in a Abraham, I taught Abraham Lincoln in the second American revolution, mm-hmm. the civil war. And uh she was in the class and I said, next week, we're going to have a, an important lesson on an important place called Gettysburg. Yeah. And we're going to see what Lincoln did there that really changed America and changed the world. And um, this little shy girl came up afterwards and she said, I can quote the Gettysburg Address. Wow. And I said, really? How did you learn the Gettysburg Address? And she said, in elementary school, I learned it. And I said, would you next class, we have class every other day, next class, would you uh, share the Gettysburg Address with the students? I think it would be better to have a Chinese voice utter it, and then we'll look at it more from there. And she got up and didn't stumble over, over one word. Wow. And I had in another class, I taught a George Washington in the birth of the American Republic. And in that class, oh, no, it was American symbols. It was American symbols was one of the classes I had, symbols of d- democracy. And I was introducing the national anthem as a, a symbol of what we have in the United States. And this kid on the front row, kind of a shy, awkward kid, he raised his hand right in the middle of my lecture and said, because I said, I won't, I'm going to sing it to you. And I said, no, no, I'm kidding. It's really hard to sing. I'm not going to sing it to you. You you wouldn't like it if I sang it to you. And this kid raised his hand and I said, yes. And he, he, he stood up and said, I can sing the national anthem of the United States of America. And I said, really? And he says, yes. And I said, well, you know, what do you say in class? I said, would you like to prepare and bring some music or whatever and sing it for the class next class? And guess what he said? He said, I now. can do it right now. <laughs> and he got up in front of the class with no music and he sang it, didn't miss a word. And he sang every verse. We never sing All every four. verse. All, is it four verses, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, I can't even remember. See, I, that's how good I am. I, you know, I had it on the PowerPoint, though, where I showed pictures along with every verse and explained the story of the song. Yeah. He literally got up and sang the whole song, every verse without a, a glitch. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a mind stopper? That's amazing. That's. <laughs> yeah, they, they were wonderful. They just really, it, you know, we had a lot of teachers that we would send to these universities and some of them, you know, were lawyers and doctors and, and people that had succeeded. They all had succeeded at some career mm-hmm. and work, and they had done great things in the church. And we'd send them over, but everybody would be somewhat nervous going to a foreign university. Yeah. And, and you know, seven of our 18 universities were top 10 universities. And even experienced personnel that had doctoral degrees that taught at universities uh, prior to going, there was a bit of nervousness. Yeah. And yet we told them and some were just darn right terrified because they had never taught and they could not picture themselves standing up in front of a classroom of college students. 
we would say, look, it won't, we guarantee, we guarantee this will not be a problem. Yeah. Uh, all you've got to do is walk in there and you will feel the acceptance and the warmth and the goodness of those students. And we knew that Heavenly Father would shower his love down on those teachers and his love would funnel through them to the students who he loves so much because they're wonderful people. Yeah. And he, uh, those teachers would always come home after that first night and say, wow, this is wonderful. We had one, the shyest one we ever sent. We thought, we, Kim and I looked at each other and thought, is she really going to be able to do it? We know we tell everybody they will be able to do it, but will she really be able to do it? Yeah. Well, by the time that first year was over, she literally called us and said, guess what? They aren't able to invite my husband and myself back because of our age. We're over the age line. Can you do anything? Oh. And I said, yeah, we can work this out. Because once they have a visa for you, they just can renew the visa. And even mm -hmm. if you're over that, we can show them other universities that get through the problem. And anyway, and then she started calling every day, making sure I had done what I promised to do, get her back to that university. Wow. Really? That's the truth. That's so cool. Like It was I, like the mission you dream of where every door says, oh, yes, come in. We'd like <laughs> to hear your message yeah wow so, anyway i hope and, it can get started again really fast because it was wonderful yeah that is uh, that is really cool insight um you know i i don't i have never had any insight into really how china works and and how that academic system works that's that's fantastic that's so cool well i can tell you it really works well <laughs> yeah uh, and we don't, you know, we don't love everything the government does. Um, we don't love everything our own government does. Totally, yeah. um, but that government is trying to move 1.4 billion people yeah. in a very productive way. And China has come light years in terms of helping its people to have a wonderful, fulfilling life. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about the volume of people, you know, because that, that makes a total difference in, in how, and how people have to behave in order to get by like that. Just that, that's, that's a different world. Um, I don't want to have a picture. Can I give you one more anecdote? I got a ah. 10,000 anecdotes. They'll watch it. One day we were eating lunch in a little cafe across the street from a museum we went to that was part of an old monastery okay. in China, uh, Buddhist monastery. And uh, all of a sudden out in the road, I saw um, two men pushing a two-wheeled vehicle that had a long bed on it made out of old wood, and it was bicycle wheels. And then they had loaded that bed that rubbed on the back two points of the bed so it had uh -huh. the wheels and it was rubbing on the back two parts and the other guy was pushing from the back. Yeah. And they had so many bricks piled on that, that it was incredible that it didn't crush those bicycle wheels. I mean, yeah. if I showed you the picture, you would be stunned by it. <laughs> and um, these people were hauling that, you know, difficult vehicle up a slide hill in the heat of a day. Wow. and working very hard at it. 
And it wasn't until I got the picture on the computer where I could really look at it and pull it up that I noticed it wasn't two men. It was a man and his wife. Oh, really? Now, see, Chinese kids see things like that every day. Hmm. And so when they go to school, they go to school with great purpose. Hmm. You know, they want to get an education. They want to succeed. They know they're up against dramatic statistics. Yeah. And so they work very, very, very hard. Hmm. It's in That's... their nature. We're American kids. We all think we're going to make it. We all think we're going to have a nice house and a nice car and a nice wife and life's going to go well. Yeah. We're, we're a bit entitled. It's, yeah. It, yeah, it, we are. And it's a different, it's a different world. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I don't want to talk too much about China. I want to talk more about Alan tonight, but um, thank you for sharing that. That's, I think that'll, that'll spark many conversations. I hope with you, I, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but well, we can't, you can tell, we can't stop talking about it. Exactly. And we will talk about it. More. I have to tell you, I make PowerPoints because after six years of going to China so many times, yeah. I have thousands of pictures and there yeah. was no way to really establish some kind of order and show them to anybody. Cause if you show one picture at a time, you know, you can kill people. Yeah. In just a very short time. Yeah. So I started making PowerPoints where you could have a theme and cluster it and make it move and everything. Yeah. And I could maybe have, you know, one or 10 or 20 pictures on one screen and have them come in at different yeah. times and everything. I have on China alone, 143 China PowerPoints. That's how I organize my pictures so I can find them because there's one on, you know, they're on each city and they're on each mm -hmm. activity in China. So, man, I, I could kill people with, with, you know, just PowerPoint after power. I, some of my PowerPoints have 65 pages in them. Wow. So, well, anyway. I'm, I'm game for one or two of those, you know, <laughs> that, those sound, that sounds fantastic. Well, um, it's good for an old man. I, think awesome. I like to look at them just to renew my memories of it totally, and, and pinch myself and say, I was really there. That really happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. It's kind of like the mission where you, you know, you just kind of yep. the dream. And so you got to remind yourself that's, that's good. Good for you to do that. That's really cool. Um, tell us, I, I want you to, to share about how you do that, how you do that with, I didn't know you did it with your pictures and PowerPoints, but how you're writing your personal history um, I think you told me about that, um, over the phone, but I think that's worth sharing to the quorum. I think that's something that's really cool. I'm kind of on a mission on that too now, because that's been my COVID activity. And I want to yeah. urge all the young members of the quorum to write your personal history now. You know, don't wait until you're an old guy. Um, don't wait until you're an old guy. I did it first. I've got the dates here on the back page of my personal history. I just gave to my kids. Uh, I did it first in 75. And then I okay. took what I'd done in 75 and I updated it in 95. Okay. And Big that gut. seems like a lot of work to update that, you know, yeah. I got it updated, you know, 
And then I updated again in 2017. Yeah. And then this one that I gave out to my kids, which got to be like 50 something pages long mm -hmm. in 2020, I updated it. Now, if I had waited to tell my whole life story until 2020, it would have been an awesome task that would have scared me away, perhaps. And I totally. had the experience of my lifetime in so many ways writing this personal history because it helped me appreciate what the Lord has done for me to help me. And I hope my brothers in the quorum will recognize, you know, through writing their own personal history, how much the Lord has done for them. I went back after I finished my personal history per se. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to leave so much out. And so I started writing stories as an appendix to the personal history. Yeah. And when I gave this to my kids, when I gave this to my kids, I had 95 stories because I had a list of 95 things that I kept in my scriptures for years. Yeah. And so I wrote the 95 stories. And when I was done, I've been so you know, lonely for that experience more. Yeah. I haven't usually been a writer. I've been a speaker more, but you know, I've started writing again. I'm on 105 now. 105 stories, right? Yeah. And I just yeah. started back up because, and I generated 25 more story topics. And I, at first I was writing them maybe longer than a page or two. Mm-hmm. But then I real quickly learned I can't go on and on. I've got it. So I made a rule for myself, one page only. Yeah. And boy, that helps you hone it down in such a way that you get the real essence of what's important about it. And I'm convinced it's a much better experience for me and for the readers because of that. But it, it has been a great testimony builder for me to just see how good the Lord has been to a punk like me and yeah. how much he loves all of his children, whether they're Chinese, Israeli, you know, Utahns, uh, you know, members, non-members, he loves us all. And he, he does watch over us and he does help us in a huge way. Mm. That's so cool. I'm, I, I, I kind of get this, I don't know, just kind of special feeling when we talk about it. You know, I, I feel the spirit, um, I think it's really cool. You talk about how, you know, you, you talked about, I think the, the functionality, the practicality of it is even for me, it's daunting to think about writing my history. Um, but I like what you said about writing just a page for yeah. an experience. Or because even that, just, just keep a list yeah. of the things that happen. Because if you have a, a reminder, you know, a memoric there, it'll yeah. activate your memory to where you can hold it. Um, yeah. You know, you're ahead of those children coming that are going to come someday. The mm -hmm. day each of my children were born, I wrote them a letter. Mm -hmm. And I kept those letters. And so one of those stories for each one that'll be of most interest to each of those kids are where I tell about, you know, my feelings that day they were born and writing yeah. them that letter. And, you know, it means a lot to them when they're parents. Yeah, that's beautiful. I yeah, so do it. Do it the that. very day. <laughs> if, you wait, if you wait a day, I guarantee it won't happen. Yeah. You know, because it's too easy to put things off because you get so busy. Yeah. But, you know, 
a saying that's really helped me is by Sir Edmund Hillary. And I've used it in priesthood before. How do you climb a mountain like Mount Everest? One step at a time. Yeah. You just got to make sure you're taking those one step at a time because they, they get you to a higher ground where you can take another step. So yeah. just, you know, even if it, like I've kept a journal now for 25 years, every single day. Mm -hmm. Now that sounds boasty, but I only write four letters, 90% of the days or four yeah. sentences. No, four lines. There yeah. we go. Four and lines. Right. And if I want to expand on that small summary of my day, uh, I have a reference system where I can go to the back and I can write as much as I want. Yeah. But if you think you're going to write a big, long thing every day, I guarantee life will teach you, you know, and I, I would, you know, I was a terrible, I didn't keep a journal on my mission. I'm ashamed of that. And I'm, I'm wishing I had, but you know, now I would, and I yeah. hope this helps others to be wiser than I was then. Well, and also Alan, you have written, a, you know, you've journaled everything afterwards, which is also your mission. So, yeah. 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 Because my kids getting the celestial kingdom, that's the most important mission I have. My wife and I first, my kids and their spouses, my grandchildren, my posterity. And I always, at the end of each of these stories, I somehow link, you know, my point. You know, I make it like a seminary lesson, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, yeah. What's my point? What do I want them to do from what I've tried to teach them in this story? And my point is always, boy, I hope that my my family and you know my posterity will understand and i give them the point and do what it takes to get these blessings that heavenly father wants so desperately to give to us mm -hmm. that's beautiful i you know i i want you to share one would you would you share one share one what would you would you read one of your stories one of your one page stories I don't know. I'm, boy that's a hard one. <laughs> I got 105 of them. Just, you know, um, open it up. You can tell us, you know, you can just verbatim it. You just tell us what you remember. Yeah. But, Let me see. Oh, okay. Wait, I, I won't read it, but I'll tell you about it. I can condense okay. it better than I can read it. Because if I read it, it'd take too long. Yeah. Um, the most important thing, I brought this up. A number of times in the ward anyway the most important thing the lord ever did for me personally okay i think everybody's answer would be perform the atonement but <laughs> he performed the atonement so other things could happen that are even more important than the atonement because he yeah. did the atonement so they could happen so anyway the most important thing that he ever did for me to help me to come back to him and want to apply the, the power of the atonement in my life is he gave me my wife. And I have to tell you, I met my wife for two sentences of a little conversation in a library before her mission. Then she okay. went on her mission. She got home and I met up with her accidentally in ZCMI, the department store yeah. where, I where I worked at the time. And, uh, boy, I just got a feeling, you know, I need to get a date with this girl. So I ran over where she had purchased something. I was managing a part department in the ZCMI. And I said, hey, I need to see her check. Can I see her check? 
and I got her information off the chat. <laughs> was able to get her phone number. Wow. I called her and literally three days of fasting and prayer later, I was engaged to my wife and left the next morning to work in Washington, D.C. for six months as a congressional intern for Senator Hatch. Truth. Wow. And we got wow. married. We got married a month after I got home from Washington. Wow. And that was 43 years ago. So that, see, that's something I want my kids and my grandkids to understand that the Lord is more interested in you are than getting that right person. So let him help you. And he wants to help you. Yeah. And, you know, it's a very important thing and he wants you to come back and he knows that you have to have that wife and, and, uh, you know, so I've, my best compliment to my wife always is you are the best thing the Lord ever did for me. Mm -hmm. The very best thing. I've loved him for so many things he's done, but you are top of the list. And you can't say, I love you any better than that. I don't think. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Well, I'll practice that and, you know, but I, that's really cool. Um, I hope, I hope for everyone else that's reminds them of their own journey, whether that yeah. be courtship or, or, or kind of the things, but that's, that's really special. Um, how did she feel about that? Did, you know, how did that, how did that work on her end? If, if <laughs> it, it was about? pretty, it was a, you know, it's a, it's a deep, long story to tell you the truth because her father had not been an active member of the church. He had come home from his mission early and never really quite, got the church but his yeah. family was tremendously blessed by the church he so much wanted his kids to have you know those blessings that the gospel brings and all of his kids went on missions and they were, yeah. all, they were all great latter-day saints but dad was a bit of a problem so anyway i had never met her dad this very strong big businessman that was yeah. i had never met him before i asked him to get married and didn't get to meet him after i don't you know, I got to talk with him on the phone one day. Yeah. And thank goodness I was somewhere that was impressive because <laughs> it, it was odd. <laughs> Kim had to work him ahead of time and say, hey, you don't know him, but this, you know, and, and he went along with it. And we've had a very, and, you know, won their respect later. Yeah. But that's yeah. a miracle. That's that, really cool. I mean, that's what I tried to share. And then you know, I've been a bishop twice and then a BYU stake presidency. And, you know, I've had lots of opportunities to have experiences where I wanted to, I want to write those things. I want my kids and my grandkids to understand, you know, how much the Lord loves them and how he wants to help them. Yeah. That's really special. Um, you know, I, for time's sake, we should probably wrap it up, but this has been really cool. Um, you know, I, I hope it's just the preview for everyone to more, more Alan, you know, to more getting to bet, know you better. Um, well, I'm on, I'm honored to rub shoulders with all of you. And I, you know, I'm, it makes me ache that we've had this year of COVID where we've been isolated and I'm the one that doesn't like the two hour block. <laughs> I miss the three hour block. <laughs> I felt like we needed that time to get to know each other and yeah yeah it's definitely changed a lot but um you know there are there are good things and, and hard things about it too 
Um, to close, would you would you mind sharing your testimony? We talked earlier, and and you said you you would. Um, I think that would just be really nice to hear from you from that. So, well, I think I'll bear the same testimony. I think I've borne through this mm-hmm. is how much God loves us. You know, I, that's what I know and have always known. I cannot say that there was a time when I didn't have a feeling that this was right. I never doubted the. I was so excited to go on a mission and, you know, yeah. I, I don't understand, you know, other people's experience and they won't understand mine, I suppose, but I always knew Heavenly Father loved me. I had wonderful parents that were, you know, a good resemblance of our Heavenly Father and his companion. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel like I know God. I love and know his son who did so much and I want to follow him with all my heart, my mind and strength. And, you know, I know this mortal probation is the time when we're meant to, to show that we do trust and love God. And I hope I can, and I hope I can help others to do that. Well, I can assure you already have. <laughs> um, and, and even me, um, you, it's been, it's been, fun to talk with you over the phone and today but um just even your kind words to me before I took my test and you know I just took the MCAT but yeah I I I I can feel God's love through what you say and um and and just through interacting with you and 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 I I think that's the the greatest testimony of all so so thank you Alan for for sharing that tonight well I think these have all been wonderful I've loved everyone I've watched them all and I think you do a good job and we have an amazing group of priesthood holders. And, you know, I, 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 once again, I wish we had priesthood every week. Yeah. Well, the good thing is we have priesthood always. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, well, this has been wonderful, Alan. Thank you so much. So. Thank you, Roger. Nice to know you. Yeah. It's great to see you. if you'll become a doctor for the old, I'll come to you and let you help me get through another year or two. Okay. Um, you know, let me know when you get old. So <laughs> it's coming quick. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate your time and it's been wonderful talking with you. So thank okay, you. Thank you. Okay. Have a nice day. And everybody, God bless. God bless.